Well, good morning, everyone. It's Dave Weiner, um, and happy podcast day, um, a holiday I didn't know existed until um, yesterday. <laughs> today is September 30th, and apparently today is what people have decided is podcast day, so I guess that's a good thing. Um, I just read an article on Harvard's website about uh, the origins of podcasting, and um, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about what the the process that led to podcasting was. I'm, I'm sure I've done a podcast about this, um, but I'm not sure where it is. So let me try now to sort of explain where the germ of the idea came from and, and then how it evolved and how it became something that, that people were doing and then a lot of people were doing. Um, so my first experience with it was in a meeting that I had with Adam Curry in New York at the end of uh, 2000. And I was living in California at the time. And I believe he was living in Belgium or Amsterdam, somewhere in that area of Europe. And he was in town, and I guess I was in town at the same time. And um, he had a room or a suite at a hotel in New York. I don't remember which hotel, but it was a it was kind of a fancy rock star type hotel. And Adam was, of course, something of a rock star himself, given his MTV background. And uh, he had an idea, and he was trying to explain it, and I wasn't getting it. And um, and he showed me some code of mine that he hacked up, and it was just absolutely egregious. <laughs> it was like, it could never work, but it did communicate the idea that he was, had been trying to explain with hand-waving um, that there was a problem with media and the internet and um and i knew that there was a problem with it it was why i wasn't interested in the idea of video or audio um on the net which was there was this click weight problem that you would um you know the time between clicking and the time of which you were actually listening to the thing that you had clicked on was just too long, and the quality was too low, and the, therefore the gratification. Remember, this was 2000. The net was nowhere near as high bandwidth as it is today. And uh, so I got the idea, and I said, oh, wow, this is really interesting. And at the time, uh, I had been working on something that, I guess, because it was already called RSS at the time, and um, and I thought it would be okay, a simple modification. You know, people say, oh, okay, it was just a modification to the format, but that's not true. There was software too, and you know, just saying that the format gets a new feature isn't enough. I mean, that isn't going to make anything happen. Um, so I had to make the software that would produce these feeds that had enclosures on them that could contain, um, you know, big media objects like MP3s or, um, or movies or whatever. And, um, and then I had to create software that would aggregate it, that would consume it, that would be used to, you know, gather up all the different sources and, 
and put them all into a single place where a, a, a human being could uh, could listen to them. And and of course, even that wasn't enough because then we didn't have any anything to put on the channels. And so this was in early two thousand one, and uh, so I decided let's try taking some audio from The Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead had been very liberal about allowing their um, users or their fans to record their concerts. And so I created a channel with Grateful Dead music on it, and nothing happened. It was, it was a nice experiment, but as far as I know, nobody listened to it, nobody cared, nobody understood. I mean, these things take a long time, and you really have to lead people there. <laughs> I thought, well, since I get it, I'll just, you know, show everybody, and they'll get it. And I had the same problem that Adam had, only with everybody else. So, the next thing I did with, uh, with the podcasting, um, well, there were two things, and this was um, when I was, was a a fellow at Berkman Center at Harvard University, and I think Harvard has a lot to brag about in terms of its role in the creation of podcasting, and it's not just in that uh, we created a feed. Well, let me let me not get ahead of myself. So um, I said, okay, so what we need to actually make this work, and I, I had never given up on the idea. I thought, this is a great idea. We have to get people doing this. And um, we have to show them not just that you could put Grateful Dead music on it, but we could put programming on it. And um, when I arrived at Berkman, I saw that uh, Chris Christopher Lydon was there. And of course, I knew who Christopher Lydon was. I'm an NPR listener and uh, had heard him many times on NPR. And, uh, and so, you know, at Berkman, you run into everybody. <laughs> it's, it didn't have to work too hard to find him, and um, and so I started explaining the idea. And well, I don't, I you know, I don't think that Chris understood what I was talking about. Uh, and then there was uh, and was this guy Bob, and I'm not remembering his last name. He was not part of Berkman, but affiliated with it. The problem was this, and it wasn't, you know, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Chris a lot of credit here because, well, Chris certainly didn't understand what we were doing. He showed up and he did it. I mean, he, he basically, you'd have to ask him why he did it, but um, I'm guessing that somehow he trusted me or he thought, well, there's, this guy seems excited about it. Why don't we do it? The problem that I was trying to solve, there were so many problems with this. One, one of the problems was, I knew, how do you use a PC to record something so that you don't have to be a sound engineer to do it? And we didn't solve that problem at this generation with podcasting because Chris is a radio professional and his rig was, I mean, it had a lot of pieces to it. And it, the result, if you listen to his po podcast, his MP3s, um, the result is fantastic. And you know, a little bit later in the story, you'll see why that was a problem. I mean, you'd think, well, quality's great. You know, why could that be a problem? Well, it was. Um, so what Chris did was he went and interviewed um, P 
people who were involved in blogging in 2003-2004, and he made a really great survey of all the... And there were a lot of people I had never heard of and certainly had never heard them speak. And that was the wonderful thing about it, is that his interviews really capture the individual. And so there was a weekly thing he did where he had an interview with somebody who was playing a, a role in the sort of bootstrapping of blogging. And 2003, 2004 were big years for blogging because of... Uh, the political blogosphere was was booting up, and there was a presidential election. And um, this is, by the way, if people from Harvard are listening to this, you also ought to look into what we were doing with BloggerCon, because BloggerCon were the were the first meetings of bloggers, and Harvard sponsored the first two of them. Uh, they were at Pound Hall on the Harvard Law School campus, and they were just wonderful events. And uh, I'm amazed at all the people who were at these things, you know, that, uh, um, you know, it, they were really seminal events in the bootstrap of blogging and of podcasting, by the way. We had a, a, a podcasting session at every one of the four blogger cons we did. Um, and the first one, they were it wasn't even called podcasting, it was called audio blogging. And, uh, and my piece, that my blog post that I wrote to introduce Chris's work was called Chris Lydon's uh, uh, Blog for the Ears, something like that. That I felt that a podcast was like a blog and that it was something that amateurs would do, not professionals. That it was, that that was the real breakthroughs, that it would open up media to all kinds of people that whom it wasn't open to before. And... Um, like, for example, right now, what I'm doing is, uh, I mean, this is what I, I was looking for, some simple way to record audio, spoken audio, on a computer, on the kind of computer that we all, were, that we all had. And uh, it's what I'm doing right now. I'm talking into my iPhone. It has a thing called Voice Memo. And I'm not going to edit it. I'm just going to take the raw audio that I record, and I'm going to upload it to my to my blog and link it in and it'll show up in my feed and all the rest of that and the production is still too hard it, sh it should be and it could be easier and it should be um but uh back then this was a hard idea to get through to people that that individuals would want to do this and uh so um well chris and it's fair to say that chris is um, podcast was, it was certainly one of the first podcasts. It was probably not the first. There were other people that were doing it. That's the important thing about these things is that no institution should get so crazy about it that they think crazy is the wrong word. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that they wake up one day and say, oh, well, we had a role in this and therefore we must have been the place where it happened would not be accurate here because there were people doing what Chris was doing um, at the same time. Uh, there was Doug Kay, and he had a series of interviews he was doing, and Steve Gilmore was also doing it. And it was either contemporary with or shortly thereafter, it was these guys were doing more or less the same thing that I was doing with Chris at that time. Um, and uh, none of us had the effect that I was looking for. And that didn't come until the summer of 2004. And 
Um, and it was as a result of me doing my amateurish podcast, I found a piece of software called Polderbits. And, um, and I found out later that there were plenty of other programs, I just didn't know where to look for them, that would allow you to easily record an MP3 on your desktop computer or your laptop. And Polderbits was the one that I used. And um, I think it was in June of 2004, um, and this one I'm pretty sure I still have uh, the audio for. Um, I did a podcast. Um, it wasn't, again, these weren't called podcasts yet. <laughs> that word didn't come about until September of 2004. Um, and, uh, um, and it was just what... Some people, well, one guy called it a soliloquy, like what I'm doing right now. It's just one person talking into a microphone. I thought of it like I used to do morning roundups uh, on my blog called Morning Coffee Notes, and they were just things that, random little things, you know, one paragraph per idea that I would write in the morning, you know, things that had occurred to me the previous day or overnight or whatever, and it, I called those Morning Coffee Notes, and... So I called my podcast Morning Coffee Notes because it's kind of what the idea was. And then I think the real breakthrough was at the Democratic Convention, in which was in Boston in 2004. Um, I brought my, I bought all this crazy audio gear. <laughs> I didn't use any of it, really. And I just recorded interviews with people, and the production was terrible, but this got the idea across to other people. And this, was, this is a very key point is that while Chris's were absolutely wonderful, I don't want to take anything away from him. In fact, it, as I said, you know, they were beautifully produced. But that was the problem. The problem was if you take, uh, if an average person hears Chris Lydon doing an NPR-like thing, they're not going to get the idea that they can do it. That was a really important point that I didn't see. And, however, when I did it, um, nobody could miss that I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, as far as the audio was concerned, um, you know, the interviews I did were, had one of them had like three minutes dead air. I mean, somehow the microphone had got clicked off. I went ahead and ran it anyway. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, the point is, I can do it. That was the point. And I don't know if, if had... It happened a couple of years earlier if it would have had the same effect, but uh, I know that my friend Adam Curry got, this was when he got into motion, not when Chris was doing his stuff. And the daily source code, I started my thing in June, and he started his thing, I think it was in August, And but he, and Adam of course is a professional, a, a radio guy, just like Chris, and there were all these other people I don't know, when I say all these other people, I'm talking like 20 or so people. And these people, we should track them all down, and we should get their names, and we should put them on a list somewhere, because this was how podcasting actually took off. It was in the late summer, early fall of 2004. There was a mailing list, uh, called the, I believe it was called the iPodder mailing list, uh, and it was... Uh, and it was on that list that it's sort of like when a community boots up, there's a place where everybody that's in that community is at. 
And it's not because the community booted up, it's that they, that everybody's on that list, it's the opposite. It's that you require a place for everybody to be in order for a community to boot up. It's just, it, you see it happen over and over again. So it was like, uh, well, I don't know. I was at Wired in the early uh, part of the web, very early days of the web. So much stuff came out of there because of the, because of the confluence of people. Same thing true about this mail list. And this was where podcasting really... Uh, this was the fertile ground, and the process that led to it. The thing that matters to me is not did you have the idea first. Uh, people like to say the ideas don't matter that much. Well, I think the ideas do matter, but it's but it's the uh, the evangelism, the sharing of ideas, and of other people hearing those ideas and deciding to take them for themselves. That, and the and the feedback process where, you know, then they in turn share what they've learned and other people learn from that and influences what they do, like the way these things became called podcasts, on the mail list there and this you can actually find the message it's on the mail list in the archives, a guy named Danny Gregoire said I think we should call these things podcasts, and. Um, and I was doing a podcast with Adam at the time called Trade Secrets, and um, and on that trade on that uh, on that podcast, I said to Adam, "We we just ought to go with it. We need a name for this thing, and it's just, we're not going to come up with a better name, and we ought to just use that name." And so I would have to say there were three people involved in the in the naming of this thing podcast: Danny Gregoire, who put the idea on the mail list and Adam and myself, who agreed that this is what we're going to call it, and then on the mail list, again, you can find that uh, in the archives, and and from there, it took off. There were plenty of other steps. Tony Khan at WGBH in Boston was absolutely instrumental. Podcasting was absolutely perfectly designed for public radio and Tony realized that and Tony was one of these guys that everybody listens to and I mean at least this is as I understood it I'm not a in the public radio world but that was that also happened in the in the uh fall of 2004 and Tony comes into the loop and all of a sudden the the public radio world is turning on to this stuff and it's getting talked at uh, talked about at other conferences that are non-blogger con. At this point, by the end of two thousand four, the ball's rolling and it's all it's all happening. And I don't think at that point I had to do anything, <laughs> and I can't say I did. <laughs> I mean, I kept writing software that uses. That's I me. Mean, that's what I do. I'm a software developer. Um, when I do a podcast. I talk about, I mean, actually to say I'm a software developer, I think oversimplifies it. Um, maybe I, I, the best term I came up for it is media hacker. Um, I'm always looking for new media types and, um, and then how to build the software for creating that media type and then for listening to it. So there's always three parts to everything that I do. There's the reading, there's the, the creation part, there's the consumption part, and um, then there's the content itself, and um, and I'm 
almost always involved in all three of those things because uh, because I do it because I love to create content and but I most especially love to create new kinds of content. That's kind of what I what I do, what I love to do. And um, if you look at my track record, um, and you'll see that's what's in my background. And, it's, and podcasting is an example of that. It's not the only one. Um, so. Yeah, I guess I don't really have a whole lot more to say. Uh, I could do interviews with people on this stuff, but I, I generally prefer not to do that because uh, a lot gets lost in the translation. And so I thought today would be a very good day, since it is podcast day, um, to actually...